0: This podcast is brought to you by Amy Jen the author of a new book entitled, The Leader You Want to Be, Five Essential Principles for Bringing Out Your Best Self Every Day. Please listen to podcast number 755, where Greg and Amy discuss the principles of purpose, process, people, presence, and peace. These qualities help make great leaders become even better. Learn more about the importance of using these principles in your role as a leader and how you can become more centered, grounded, and focused as a leader in this business world where more is always expected. I hope you enjoy this great interview with author Amy-Jen Su about her new book, The Leader You Want to Be. For more information about Amy and her new book, please visit www.paravis, spelled P-A-R-A-V-I-S, Partners.com. backslash our dash Latest dash book. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voisin, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And as I do every time, BJ, I thank the listeners that come from around the world that have been listening to these podcasts on all the various channels iTunes and Spotify. And without them, there'd obviously be no Inside Personal Growth. And we just have so many great authors. Uh, that have graced the stage of inside personal growth. And another one today, BJ Fogg. Uh, BJ has written a new book called Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything. Good day to you, BJ.
2: Hey, Greg. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Well, thanks for being on. And uh, BJ is joining us from his second home. He spends most of his time in Northern California, but he happens to be in Maui today and getting ready to go surfing. So that's cool. We're looking, uh, we, we can all of us can visualize those waves. I live in Encinitas, so I can see the waves, uh, but I'm not in them. I'm gonna let the listeners know just a tad about you. BJ Fogg, PhD, is the founder and director of the Behavioral Design Lab at Stanford. In addition to his research, uh, BJ teaches boot camps in behavioral design for industry innovators and also leads the Tiny Habits Academy helping people around the world. One of Fortune's 10 new gurus you should know. As I just mentioned, he lives in Northern California, and he's got a second home in Maui. So everybody listening today from the Midwest or who's going to be listening to this when there's piles of snow is going to be going, geez, those two guys have a pretty good lifestyle out there. (laughs) So so BJ, why don't we start off with this? You're the head of this design lab at Stanford, and I've interviewed other Mm -hmm. Stanford professors before, and I don't think these listeners that are probably out there probably understand much about a design lab. What is it that you do in this design lab and how did you get into doing this and why do you have such a passion for it?
2: Yeah, so at Stanford, it's a research lab and we call it the Behavior Design Lab. And it's all about studying how to help people change their behavior in positive ways. And it got started, oh, 20 years ago and uh, it turned out a philosophy professor gave me a corner of his office for my lab. So I got one corner of an office, had students that wanted to work with me and be uh, researchers in my lab, and from there we expanded to being a real lab. Uh, And the, the main method we use are true experiments, so scientific experiments, but we also do other ways to create insight and have impact in the world. And what's great about what I love about doing this research is it's about human behavior and we can pick any type of behavior we want. Uh, It's a recent project is about helping people reduce screen time. Other projects have been about helping women feel more financially empowered and so on. So it all comes back to behavior and we get to explore and study whatever aspect of that that interests us.
1: Well, it's fascinating. And I I know there's, other labs at other universities that people have and they get the opportunity to actually study um, various elements of people and how it affects them. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that what you're doing in this day of digital wearable devices, and that's one of the areas where um, you have some expertise, you know, people are wa- wearing these wearable, you know, Fitbits and garments, and they're watching everything that's happening to them today. Any comment about uh, your research on, you know, behavioral change? Because obviously all these devices are trying to actually create behavioral change within people. Yeah, it really comes
2: down to two principles, and I call them maxims. Um, and in tiny habits, uh, I, I explain these further. One is if you're going to create a winning product or service It has to help people do what they already want to do. So that's maxim number one, help people do what they already want to do. When it comes to personal change, that then translates to help yourself do what you already want to do. And the second maxim is to help people feel successful. So if, you're, if you have a wearable or if you're designing a wearable for somebody and it's tracking them and giving them feedback, the key there is to help them feel successful. And too many of them do the opposite they make you feel unsuccessful and that's uh that's why people stop using them but translating that to the personal change maximum number two is help yourself feel successful so together those two maxims are the overriding principle of what works in products and also what works as we change our own behavior
1: yeah and it's so important i think for these manufacturers to remember that and, you know, frequently is you said you're being you're being fed data and it's mm-hmm. either at times it's scaring you, you know, oh, my heart rate's too high or this is happening or my respiration or whatever. Um, and like you said, it's it's change that you have to want to make. And you talk about it in the book, Transformation. And let's yeah. t- let's let's kind of bridge that. Um, you know, we're entering the last month of the year next month. And people are making plans for attaining their goals and creating resolutions. What advice do you have for those who want to make personal change as it relates to, let's say, goals for weight loss or becoming physically yeah. fit, or for that matter, changing any habit that currently, yeah. as I like to say, doesn't serve them? And, and then yeah. let's put a caveat to that. Uh, you mentioned willpower does not work. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'd like for you to tell your personal story when you when you reference this, because you weren't always this slim fifty-something guy, and you battled yourself <laughs> with some some weight issues. Yeah. And this is how you stumbled upon, um, you know, this behavioral science, right?
2: Yeah. So you know, life life can be really hard, uh, and for most people, most people are facing challenges and difficulties. And, and there's no, I and mean, that's just the fact of the matter. Life can be really hard. The good news uh, that I'm, I've found, and what I explain in Tiny Habits, is that changing your behavior can be easier than you think if you do it in the right way. And the old-fashioned ways of doing it, the ways we were taught the way we assume work are not that useful and they're not that helpful. And the best ways to think about it, I've, I've already talked about the two maxims. First and foremost, help yourself do what you already want to do And then help yourself feel successful and if there's any product or program out there that's making you feel unsuccessful in your quest to change that's not a winning product or solution for you as you're designing for your own behavior change pick things that you want to do that's maximum number one help yourself do what you already want to do So if it it feels like I should, like, I really should be eating kale, or I really should be stepping on the Stairmaster for an hour a day, those things rarely become habits. So for better nutrition, find foods you already like and make those habits. For being physically active, find activities like surfing or roller skating or whatever you already like and make those habits. Um, because if you already want to do surfing or if you already want to eat, let's say cucumbers, um, then you don't have to worry about motivation in making that a habit. And the mistake, I'm gonna talk about willpower briefly, is if you pick a should, like something that, oh, I should be walking on the Stairmaster for an hour a day, to get yourself to do that, you will have to tap into willpower Uh, And that is not a reliable way to change. You can get yourself to do it temporarily, but not Mm -hmm. in the long term.
1: How do do, you're a behavioral scientist and, you know, we start to create these affinities, likes and dislikes. How are those likes and dislikes that you're talking about formed and how do you easily either modify or change um, some of those? Because, you know, you, you look at it when you were a kid growing up i go back to the day i haven't always been the slimmest guy myself right and i have to work hard at it to to make it happen and it isn't just that it's a lot of things it's even doing these podcasts right this didn't come yeah. super easy in the beginning but you know i really love what i do now right and the point is is mm-hmm. that how are those actually formed within those neurotransmitters within the brain so that we're rewiring and refiring so we do like something that maybe we didn't like so much before?
2: What a great question, Greg. That's an awesome question. Um, The headline here is that change leads to change. Um, And you can start anywhere you want. So let's take nutrition, for example. Uh, Let's say you don't like eating kale and maybe you don't like having vegetables for dinner and so on. And that's fine. Don't force yourself to do that at this point. But just get started where you want to start in terms of nutrition. And what you'll find is that your tastes will actually change. You'll be more open and interested in other kinds of foods that say kale or (laughs) vegetables for dinner that you weren't before or snacks or so on. And I know it's hard, because um, I've been there, uh, where there's a certain food that you always think you're going to crave or there's certain food that you're like, eh, I just can't get myself to eat it. Well, don't force yourself, just like the Maxim said, help yourself do what you already want. to Start where you want and trust that over time that change will lead to change, including in your preferences and your taste. There was a time, and this was part of my weight loss struggle and journey, and I know, Greg, you and others are just going to laugh at me, where I had a pretty serious addiction to popcorn, eating popcorn in the evening, and a lot of it. And and I just, you know, when I struggled with that, I just thought there's no way I'm ever going to be free of this craving and the urge, and I'm always going to have to somehow address it. Well, fast forward to today, I don't have any more urges for popcorn and I know people are thinking that's trivial and laughable, but it was a serious problem in my life. It it led to Weight gain, feeling bad about myself, sleeping poorly because I eat so much popcorn.
1: Tough to digest too. (laughs) You (laughs) eat that much popcorn, and it's very hard to digest, especially when you put all that butter on it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean there were problems with it, but I just felt at a point. I just remember feeling so powerless around it, just like, and it was sort of almost like there wasn't like a popcorns Anonymous or anything I could go to but it does help me understand better people struggling with urges and especially food temptations and so two things here one start where you want to start start really tiny maybe not tackle the big popcorn problem in your life right now but start somewhere positive and trust that over time your skills and motivation will increase and you'll be able to tackle that thing that's number one the, the second thing that goes hand in hand with it is to redesign your environment, let's say your home environment or the mm-hmm. eating environment, or even like in tiny habits, I explain how to redesign your fridge so it makes it really easy to eat right. the good food and really hard to eat the bad food. So in the case of popcorn, part of the figuring it out was, guess what? We cannot have popcorn in the house. Popcorn is banned. Popcorn paraphernalia is banned. And so on. Just So even when I was sitting down watching The Boys or watching you know, reruns of Groundhog Day and wanting popcorn, it was hard to do. So I would not eat popcorn because I'd have to go to the store and buy it.
1: Right. So you you removed it from your shelf. You removed the air popper from the house or whatever Mm -hmm. you were using Mm -hmm. to get the nice popcorn. Now, you know, you mentioned in the book that change is not hard, but motivation is. Now, granted, we were just talking about motivation and it, it's not our fault. What advice do you have about, um, staying motivated? It's one thing to say, okay, well, I've changed this environment. Uh, now I've got to get to create this or this motivation. I was motivated to do it, but then you fall back into an old pattern, right? You, yeah. you, you have this relapse and you went to the movies and you had a thing of popcorn. Even though you're moving from the house, you (laughs) find yourself walking down the aisle at the grocery store going, wow, that popcorn at the movie theater was really good. I think I'm going to buy the popcorn again. So how do you help people with the motivation part to sustain, you know, systemic, long-term transformation, uh, not just change?
2: Yeah, well, great. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but first and foremost, pick habits that you want, especially, I mean, the case of popcorn is stopping something and you have an urge you have to deal with. That's a pretty difficult place to start. Instead, look at what new habits you can bring into your life that you want. And when you start there, uh, creating new habits and maybe not tackling the popcorn monster yet. Uh, get good at creating new habits that you want and that means you won't have to worry about motivation so much now as you learn to create the new habits change is a skill and so you're going to get better and better at making change just like any other thing that you practice and do and as you go down as in, and I explain this in detail in tiny habits that you change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. Right. So in the tiny habits way of changing shame and guilt and feeling bad about yourself is not part of the program. In fact, if you, yeah. you, you go to the theater and you eat popcorn and you cook, it's like, you go, Oh, well, I'm going to get back on it tomorrow. I'll just get right. back on the program tomorrow and you do not beat yourself up. That's not
1: helpful. Yeah. Well, I think that that's an important thing. And you know, I, I went through the book pretty carefully, and you, you speak about these competing motivations and how mm-hmm. competing motivations are, affect the ability to make change. If you would, for the listeners, they maybe don't understand what a competing motivation is. Can you explain it and how it works in this context?
2: Yeah. So at any given moment, you may be motivated to do two things, and I'll just give a real example right now. It's morning in Maui, and I'm motivated to go surfing because that's what I do every morning, and I love it. Well, but I'm also motivated to talk to you, Greg. And guess which one wins? <laughs> talking well, to you. I'm Right more now,
1: motivated right now to- at this moment, right in time, be here now, <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as famous yeah. people have said, it's me. Uh, but I see those waves calling you, BJ. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm just using that as an example in, 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 the, food, <laughs> in the food space. It might be, wow, I'm at a, uh, a restaurant. They put things on the table. I could either be eating, you know, the pickles they put on the table. I could be eating the bread. Mm-hmm. No, I'm motivated in two directions. And just acknowledging that and calling that out and showing that when it comes to our behaviors in any given moment, uh, we could have these competing motivations and competing behaviors. Mm-hmm. And you can choose one or the other and there's ways to design and there's ways to do things. So the behavior that you want in the long-term wins out over, let's say, the temptation.
1: Well, and if you would explain to the listeners, and this goes right down the aisle with your book, and I want to state this for the listeners. The book is so well done, easy to follow, easy to read. um, and And the Key here is the actions that you'll be wanting to take as a result. Mm-hmm. What is behavior matching?
2: Oh, wow. Behavior matching. It's a phrase I created to describe something that's never been named before. So if you look at the aspiration of, I want to be more physically active, okay? A lot of people will set that down as a New year's resolution or have that in their mind. Well, that's not a behavior, it's not even a habit, it's an aspiration, it's high level. I wanna be more active. And when you look at that, there are hundreds of ways of being more active. You could surf, you could roller skate, you could walk to work, you could bike around at lunch, you could step on the Stairmaster, you could use a rowing machine, on and on and on. And the key thing, the most important skill in behavior design, and I point this out in the book, the most important skill is matching yourself with the right option. Is it surfing? Is it roller skating? Is it dancing? So if you match yourself with the right behavior, and I call it a golden behavior in the book. Yeah, golden behaviors, yeah. A golden behavior. then Then it's relatively easy to form that habit. Now, if you match yourself with the wrong behavior, then it becomes really hard, you tap into willpower, you struggle, and you ultimately don't succeed.
1: Well, and you give people lots of opportunities in the book through questions about uh, setting up yeah. behavior matching, and you give many diagrams, and it it really is e- exceptional. Now, you state that focus mapping is the best method for matching what you just said, your golden behaviors. Explain to the listeners what focus mapping is, and how will this help us get to what you refer to as high-impact behaviors?
2: Yeah, so, imagine that, let's stick with the example you want to be more active. Let's say you, um, and in Tiny Habits, I guide you how to do this well, but you're writing down one behavior option per card. So, oh, I could go surfing every morning. Oh, I could you know, ride my bike at lunch. Oh, I could walk to the train station. And you come up, say, with 15 or 20 different options. And then focus mapping is a way of sorting them so you can figure out what is the most golden behavior or set of golden behaviors for yourself. And uh, as you see in the book, Greg, it's visual. So it's hard to explain just as Yeah, it is. It is. But but it's a two-dimensional landscape. And essentially, you're sorting on effectiveness. Like, oh, if I bike to work, how effective will that be in helping me be active? And then you're sorting on even uh, a dimension that people often miss. It's like, can you get yourself to do this? Yes, maybe no, and the golden behaviors will be those that are effective and the ones you can get yourself to do, and that's what comprises the golden behavior they'll have impact, and I can get myself to I can get myself to surf or I can get myself to ride my bike to work. What you don't want to do is pick behaviors that are you're going to go, oh, I'm not sure if I can get myself to do this. That's where the struggle is. and But if you explore your options, your behavior options, and go through the behavior-matching process, and there's different ways of doing this, um, and one of them is to write it on the cards and sort it. And I give another way in Tiny Habits. But the key there is find a behavior that will be impactful and you can get yourself to do it. And those are your golden
1: behaviors. Well, I think one of the... Uh... Brilliant ideas was making sure that you write it down on the cards, um, and yeah. I really do Helpful. believe that that you know um, we used to, we used to call that spaced repetition learning. Um, this is mm. these are reminders uh, to get you yeah. to do these activities, and I think when you talk about change or transformation, the reason that behavioral science and what BJ is offering. Um, is so valuable is because we as individuals who are out here listening don't get the opportunity to observe behaviors. I always tell people if there was a camera following you all day long and doing <laughs> video, and you watch the camera back, would yeah. you really like what you saw? And yeah. I think many times having a video camera follow you for the day would be a good way for you to get a sense of really, you know, what are the things that I'm doing that aren't serving me, and what are the things that I do that I like doing. And it would be a great opportunity for you to figure that out. Now you've personally coached over 40,000 people and a lot of them pretty yeah. influential people. And so yeah. the BJ speaks from uh, experience here, folks, this isn't just you know somebody in a lab sitting there and he's only studied, you know, maybe 2000 people that have walked through the lab. Uh, many, many people have been through his course. Now can you explain for the listeners your fog behavior model and how would, is this simple model that you have, um, can the folks who are listening today kind of apply that?
2: Yeah. You know, so the, there's a model that describes all human behavior. And finally, the pieces came together for me on this model in 2007. And Greg, like, you know, I call it the fog behavior model, it describes all behaviors in all cultures. And it goes like this. A behavior happens when three things come together at the same moment you're motivated to do the behavior, you have the ability to do the, the behavior, and there's a prompt. The prompt is the thing that reminds you. And those are the components of any behavior. So for example, you can use this model to stop a behavior. So if you remove any of those three things, remove motivation or remove ability, in other words, make it hard, like get the popcorn out of the house, or remove the prompt, if you Remove any of those things, the behavior will not happen. So, the behavior model gives you a guide for designing for stopping behaviors. But in the context of tiny habits and the thousands of people that I've coached, they were focusing on starting new behaviors. So, then it's like, okay, there has to be motivation for the behavior. So, number one, boom, pick a new habit you want, like we just talked about earlier.
0: Number right.
2: two, there has, there has to be ability boom in the tiny habits method you make it really really simple that increases your ability it's easy to do and then there's only one thing remaining and that's the prompt wow what's going to remind you to do it
1: mm-hmm. in the
2: tiny habits method and i've given a ted talk just on this topic alone. right right what you do is you find a routine that you already have that can be your prompt so if you want to be more productive at work and it's like great okay i'm going to you know, work on my to-do list every morning. Well, you scale that back. Maybe all you do is open your to-do list. That's a habit, you just open it. And then it's like, where does this fit? What's gonna remind me? And every morning you realize you turn on the coffee maker. So then the tiny habit recipe will, after I turn on the coffee maker, then I will open my to-do list. So the existing habit becomes the reminder for this new habit, opening your to-do list. And if you design that well, the habits can snap into place really fast.
1: Very great, great advice, you know. And one of the things that I picked out from the book is you speak about motivation being unreliable, but that mm-hmm. ability—that our ability—is not. Um, yeah. You've talked a little bit about this, but can you explain, you know, that? model and putting ourselves what you call above the action line to help us in accomplishing our goals and also comment on the weakest link in what you refer to as this ability chain, because there's an ability chain. You have a model of it in the book um, and there is a weakest link. And I thought I'd kind of combine two questions in one here because I could probably do uh, hours of interview with you, but let's see if we can accomplish that one.
2: Yeah, so the three components in the behavior model, motivation, ability, and prompt. Yeah, motivation is this thing that changes moment by moment in our lives. And, you know, say the holiday season is coming up and people get super motivated to connect with family and buy gifts. And, you know, when it's over, the motivation of that shifts. But even during the day, our motivation to eat goes up, we eat, and it goes back down and there are other kinds of motivation that shifts around and we don't have that much control over it. it motivation varies but if you make something really easy to do like super easy to do then you don't need high levels of motivation and that was the insight that led to tiny habits uh, and let me unpack that a little bit if you pick a hard behavior a hard new habit like let me walk for an hour on the stairmaster. That requires a lot of motivation. And
1: how about mastering mm-hmm. a skill like surfing?
2: Surfing. Um, let's that- let's,
1: just say, let's <laughs> say I wanted to learn how to surf. Now I live here right by the ocean and yeah. I don't even surf, right? But what, hey, you know, what, you had what, to practice that every day yeah. before you became even halfway good at it.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you and you start small. I don't start at uh, Piahe also called jaws so where they have the massive waves here notice i didn't start with massive waves i started right. with little baby waves right. and you start with a big board a big board's easier than a small board mm-hmm. but you start really tiny and snaps craig thanks for the lead that maps they have it start really tiny make it really easy on yourself and as you succeed feel good about the success i right. remember going home from surfing in maui and i told my partner it's like oh man i served four and a half waves today and i was just so happy now i serve sort 20 to 50 a day just right a matter of course but i remember the half mattered to me i served ha- served half a okay so as you do it and as you are you know you start small start with what you want and feel good about every tiny success that feeling is what wires in they have it, they're wires in the scale, or are wires in the fact that you can go from four and a half waves to 50 waves, Such and a, they're bigger waves later.
1: A great example, and don't let your older brothers take you to the top of Mammoth on Cornish in your first no. run and push you down the hill, because that's what happened to me, and it just kind of terrifies you. Although I became a great yeah. skier, the reality <laughs> is, is that uh, <laughs> I just warn you <laughs> to take the tiny steps, right? I I had brothers and friends who said, Oh no, you can do it. You can do it. I was a yard sale. I mean, I literally down the hill, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't fun at all. I was all wet. Uh, And I remember it so much to this day. It's very vivid in my mind. Right.
2: But but Greg, let let me map this to how people try to change their behavior. So often uh, people like pick this huge hard thing, like going to the top of the ski run that, really is not where they should be, but our culture and TV shows and things you see on the internet get you to go to that top of that super steep hill. And that's where I start in the book, Tiny Habits. You saw that, right? It's like, hey, you've probably tried to change and it hasn't worked and it's not your fault. And I didn't say it was your big brother taking you to the top of the hill, but that (laughs) matches perfectly. You've got bad guidance and that's not your fault. And so now we're going to do it a better way and a way where we're going to start you small and easy and you're going to feel successful and you're going to, you're going to build up.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I think, you know, people, well, they say it's so simple. Um, but actually (laughs) it, it, it isn't as simple as us speaking about it because then there's all these behavior modifications and your mind is racing with all kinds of things that you might have fears about and be very emotional about. Let's talk about that. You have a tiny exercise for making a habit easier to do. Can you speak about our, to our listeners about this two-part exercise and how we would use this to change a habit?
2: Well, at the end of each chapter in Tiny Habits, I have a set of tiny exercises. And believe it or not, one of them is to make eating a tiny bit of chocolate a daily habit. And people may wonder, wow, you're getting people to eat chocolate as a habit. Yes, if it's healthy chocolate, number one. And number two, you're not eating the whole bar, you're eating a tiny bit, it's like a vitamin. And the point, Greg, of putting that into the book was the way that you would create the daily chocolate habit is exactly how you'd create all the other habits. Pick something you want. In this case, most people want chocolate and they like chocolate. Find where it fits in your day. Maybe the chocolate comes right after you start your coffee maker. For me, uh, the tiny chocolate habit fits when I'm getting out my vitamins because I view it as uh, a, a supplement, as a nutritional.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, it's, it's nutritional. And so I just folded it in with the rest of that, those habits. And every day I eat a tiny bit of chocolate and it makes me feel like I'm taking care of myself. That method is exactly how you would create any other habit in your life. And, I, and picking that exercise, um, in some ways I wanted to be provocative. I was like, guess what? In this book, you're going to learn how to eat chocolate every day as a habit. But also instructive, like pick habits you want and pick habits that you can feel good about. Now, some people want, as I tested this, I test everything. I love testing mm-hmm. stuff there were some people that just felt guilty eating chocolate every day. They couldn't get over the fact of, you know, the candy bar or whatever. And some of those people could get over it by going and studying the health benefits of dark chocolate and others just couldn't. And then for those people, that's not the right habit. Okay. Forget about chocolate, focus on something else really tiny. And even if it's a temporary habit where you're just practicing to learn the method, that's okay. Just like, as you learn to play the piano, there's little songs that you play that aren't going to be songs you're performing in a year or two, but they're stepping stones. You practice them, you learn what you need to learn, and then you let that go. you It's perfectly legitimate to let habits go. And you use these words, and I love them, when it's no longer serving you, let it go. Yeah. Put something else in its place or, or just let it be fallow for a while.
1: Yeah. And it's, it is, uh, as difficult to let, sometimes let things go, that it is to adopt new behaviors. And although it seems to be at times easier to let what's not serving you go because usually it's creating pain. Um, And that's pain emotionally, physically, every which way from loose. Now you have a chapter that you titled Can I talk
2: to Sure. Can I talk about the pain and the emotional baggage? Sure. So, you know, in Tiny Habits, there are Coaches, professionals I trained, who this is what they do. Twenty, you know, with their careers, they counsel and coach people. Um, and I've worked with people in creating habits. The coaches that are certified Tiny Habits have worked with people in a whole bunch of ways. And in my experience, and especially drawing on their experience, if there is something that's really causing you pain, um, well, if it's an addiction, go get professional help. Them. Yeah, let me just say that. But if it's like weight loss or something about um, negative thoughts or something that just you've had a lot of struggle with, do not start there in changing your behavior. Set that aside for now and start in a positive space where you don't have so much emotional baggage. And that might be create a bunch of habits around tidiness or it might be relationship habits where you're connecting with uh, your mom or old friends or whatever. So start in. Places that don't have so much pain and baggage, and then you'll develop the skills and the motivation when you can later tackle that harder thing, that popcorn problem. Or yeah,
1: that, it's it's like building you know. a, a stronger muscle, right? It just like when uh, you exactly. you're not going to start with, um, you know, 150 pounds if you haven't lifted weights in a while. You're going to start with the 20 pound and work your way up. And I think. Then you feel more confident, the ability to tackle these challenges, because now you can work your way up to the 150 where you can actually move, move, meaning change something uh, pretty substantially. And that leads me to this chapter that you have on growing your habits from tiny to transformative. You know, now we're going tiny, we're going big, we're going to 150 pounds. Speak with the listeners about the process of scaling habits, habits that grow and habits that can multiply.
2: Uh, you're exactly right. There's two ways that tiny can be transformative. One is you start a habit, tiny, and it grows over time. And, and habits will naturally grow. So if you start with, say, just two push-ups, over time that will become more, just naturally. You'll get stronger and you'll want to do more. If the habit is just opening up your to-do list, with time, you will do more and more. And in the tiny habits method, you can always do more. You could always do 20 push-ups and open your to-do list and spend 20 minutes on it. But you're never required to do the big thing. It's The tiny thing's always okay. Uh, and that's a huge shift. It's a, there's a lot of things in tiny habits that don't go along with traditional wisdom because the old stuff doesn't work very well. And in tiny habits, there's a mindset That the tiny version of the habit is always okay. It's always okay just to floss one tooth or do two push ups. But when you want to do more, do more. And what happens is your capacity to do more and your motivation to do more will go up. And so you will naturally do more. So you can think of like a small plant that grows. The second way that tiny becomes transformative is that the habits will propagate other habits, just like plants propagate other plants. And so, if you start, oh, let's say doing a healthy snack at 3 p.m., and you're feeling good about it, what will also happen naturally, and this happens to the vast majority of people who do tiny habits within five days 73% of people report they started doing other habits that are related within that five day period. So, you get this ripple effect, but it comes from not just doing a new habit, it's doing the new habit and feeling successful, that then leads to doing other related habits. Right? So if it's in the nutrition domain, you'll start creating other nutrition habits and making decisions around food differently. And so change leads to change, like we talked about that before. And in this case, think of it as a ripple effect. So just start with something that you want, and as long as you feel successful doing that, it will have these positive ripple effects in your life.
1: It, it certainly does work that way. And I think the challenge sometimes people have is I've done so many interviews with the psychology of how to reach goals or, you know, I've been doing this now 13 years. And I always look at the proximal goals, right? It's like yeah. it's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, so you said you have this goal to make a million dollars. Well, what are the things that you have to do? What are the steps and the actions? And those are the proximal. Those are the tiny habits, right? Those are the little yeah. things that have to happen first. Uh, before you do that. Um, And I, and I think that this book from a personal growth mastery standpoint is a, it's a, it's a must read for all of my listeners. Now, let me wrap this up. You've invented a new type of habit that you call a pearl habit. Um, Can you explain what the pearl habit is and how it works? And then we're going to tell our listeners how they can get your um, a no-cost, free download. And then get that by ordering the book. And we're going to talk about your website and some of your videos and so on. But what is this pearl habit?
2: The pearl habit is you take something that's annoying in your life that you cannot change. And you use that to create something beautiful or valuable. Just like a pearl has this irritation and then it creates something valuable. Here's an example. Let's say that your neighbor's dog barks and uh, it annoys you, but you can't change it. There's nothing you can do about it. What you can do is say, okay, when I hear the dog bark, after I hear the dog bark, I'm gonna take a calming breath. So you can use that irritant to help you do something positive. And then what happens when you do that? The barking becomes less annoying, but then you also get something positive from it. So you basically use the irritating thing, the barking, to be your prompt to do something positive. Now, you won't nail it the first time. In designing any type of habit, including pearl habits, you might try something that doesn't quite work, and that's okay. Change it and try something else and try something else. In Tiny Habits, I tell the true story of a woman who she and her husband divorced, and it was really bitter, and when they got across cross paths to hand off the kids and stuff, he would just criticize and belittle her. And she couldn't change that. And so she used that as a prompt to do something positive in her life. And so she knew when she'd see her husband on the weekends to trade, the, you know, hand off the kids for exchange, that he was gonna attack her. And in the moment she was being attacked, she created the tiny habit of thinking, great, now I'm gonna go watch that video I've been wanting, or now I'm gonna go look at those necklaces and what happened and this is amy and it's a true story what happened is the attacks had less power when they happened and then she had a whole different attitude around them meeting. it started to shift and as her attitude shifted he then shifted in response and so those encounters became a lot less aversive and in her, as she describes it it was like a miracle that she through creating a pearl habit she changed her attitude, which then rubbed off on him, and then they ended up at a graduation party together for their daughter, and yeah. they actually got along, and they actually got along, and she was like blown away, and it started with creating this pearl habit.
1: Well, and I think you find that uh, over the course of a relationship, no matter what about that relationship is, um, you know, what you resist persists. Um, and you know, if you're there trying to resist what he's doing, but if you then like what she did, she took a habit, which was a pearl habit and said, I'm going to think about watching the video or whatever you're going to do. Um, she moved herself into an emotional state that was completely different. So it wasn't about resisting anymore. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of those things that, that you can do. Mm -hmm. I think in all relationships, you have to look at that and fine-tune and continue to fine-tune. And that was a great example, by the way. So for our listeners, um, there is the Tiny Habits Toolkit, uh, which they can go to tinyhabits.com. Yeah, I'm
2: so excited about sharing the toolkit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the toolkit is really great. And I'm going to say, look, in this toolkit, there's a list. It's five practical videos. There's a quick start guide. There's the expert collection. 60 new habits. There's a tiny habits template. There's BJ Fogg's cheat sheet. There's the simplest way to design a new habit and a free bonus. And I would encourage you um, to definitely go there there. You can go to tinyhabits.com. Uh, he's got five videos. You can watch one, watch them in sequence, watch them all, watch them over a period of time, but great little videos that uh, you can watch. They're not very long. Um, and then he's got the, um, what he calls the expert collection habits for reducing stress habits for staying focused, uh, habits for better sleep. Um, and then he's got the tiny habits recipe template, um, that you could just even cut out, put it on your desk, put it on a note card. Uh, he's got printable recipe cards. If you go to tinyhabits.com/recipecards, forward slash recipe cards, you can get those cards and that tells you kind of how to. Anchor in the moment, tiny behaviors, Mm -hmm. and then celebrate. You've got the create habits super fast. And then you Mm -hmm. have the simplest way to design a new habit. And I would just encourage my listeners, man, if you're going to pre-order this book, now's the time to do it. Get this free download. Go to Amazon. We'll put a link to Amazon um, so that you can pick the book up. It doesn't come out until the end of December. I think the release date is December 31st. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Great. So right before New Year's, what a wonderful time to release a book to change habits. I'm Yeah,
2: and, and Greg, I was so eager. You know, the books, as you know, books get done far in advance of their release date. And it was driving me bonkers that I couldn't share it with people until the end of the year or January 1st. And that's why I created the Tiny Habits Toolkit. And the, the situation is buy the book. And if you buy it on Amazon, you don't have to pay until it actually ships. But then you get the Tiny Habits Toolkit. And what I'm delighted about is now I can help people right now. I don't have to wait for the book to come out. And that's the point of the toolkit is get the book. Sure, that's going to be important. But you can start benefiting from Tiny Habits right now with the
1: toolkit. Well, and not to forget two other things that I want to mention to my listeners. First off is the free five-day program, which is at the same website. You just click on it. And for those of you out here or listening that you're professional coaches, you may be psychologists, you're trying to work to help people change habits, you'd like to adopt some of these and get certified as a certified tiny habits uh, specialist. You can Mm -hmm. do a certification program that are up there starting in December and going all the way through next year. He's got lots of options for you when you can start that. And um, really, BJ, it's just been an honor having you on. It's always good to speak about something that's so pertinent into everyday life, right? Um, What we've talked about, everything we've talked about today, is something that applies to us in the moment every day. It's about our choices. It's about our decisions. Uh, It's about things we do and actions and behaviors that can change, that can actually make our life for the better and can transform our lives. And you've done a masterful job of laying this out and putting this not only in the book, uh, but also putting it into the free download and the five-day free program. If you were to sum this up, what is it that you'd like to leave the listeners with today about how they can make these small little changes in their life to change it forever? Well,
2: you, you three quick statements. Yes, you can do it. It's not as hard as you think if you do it the tiny habits way. Don't delay. I would say don't even wait for New Year's or some special start now. And three, I guarantee you will succeed faster than you thought. So just dive in and you'll find that if you design it in the right way, the tiny habits way, you will feel successful faster than you thought. And it will be easier than he thought. And those will go, wow, why didn't I know this before? Well, because it wasn't out there before. So just dive in and be playful too. Don't be too uptight about it.
1: Yeah, you had to uh, study this in the lab first before people could know about it. And so, you know, you're learning from the uh, thought leader and expert here. And just for you, because I know you can't wait, go hang 10. Uh, you're about <laughs> ready to get out there on the surfboard. And, and all of us can actually visualize that. Thanks so much, BJ, for being on Insight Personal Growth and sharing some of your wisdom and knowledge and insight about uh, making tiny habits stick.
2: Thank you.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Anise Kavanaugh, the author of a new book entitled Contagious You. Unlock your power to influence, lead, and create the impact you want. Please listen to podcast number 753, where Anise and Greg speak about how great leaders enable and encourage positive and contagious energy, as well as why nourishing our internal state and our mental health needs to come first if we are to be effective leaders. Please join Greg and Anise in this wonderful interview and podcast number 753. Thanks for listening.